Hello and welcome back to the Harbour Hoops podcast. This is episode 76 and I'm your host Liam Horsley and as always I'm joined by my co-host back from a little trip away. It's Ben Jones. How you doing mate? Good evening. Yeah, very very well. Thank you. How the devil are you? Pretty good. I'm quite glad um, behind the scenes here. It's a six o'clock recording. It's not a 10pm recording that we have to do sometimes and it's not a 9am recording. So I've, I'm feeling pretty good about that to be honest. So I'm, uh, I'm quite hyped for this one. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's, it's an appropriate time, isn't it? Did you have an enjoyable break before we move on to basketball? Oh, it was lovely. It was very, very much needed and, and very much enjoyed. But it is nice to be back in rhythm and routine and talking about basketball. Yeah, and boy, today there's a lot to talk about. Um, hopefully we won't overrun the hour mark, but you never know with us. I know. Uh, <laughs> so plan for the pod, we're going to go through a little bit of news at the start, just about some coaching stuff, because um, we haven't really been together for a couple of weeks. And then we'll talk about uh, a little bit more news with some awards that have been given out this week, and then we'll get straight into the the playoffs and go into depth on those series. And then we're going to end with a little bit of a, a novelty kind of game slash top five that we, we've come up with. So let's kick it off with news, Ben. Then we've got four coaching, well, yeah, complete coaching changes. Uh, let's start with the latest one. Uh, and this is one that's so kind of breaking that you didn't actually know about it pre-recording. So no. the Pacers have fired Nate Brookren. Um, one year in the job, apparently the players did not get on with him at all. The reports coming out today. And this will lead us on to another bit of news, but the rumours are uh, they kind of finally made their decision because after the Blazers fired their coach, apparently the Pacers want Terry Stotts to come over to Indiana. So no deal done yet, but the rumours are that's who they've kind of fired their coach for to get Terry Stotts in. Give me your opinions on the pay, uh, Pacers firing another coach. Uh, and if you think Terry Stotts is a sort of right man for the job there. Uh, I mean, potentially he, he gets quite a lot out of his players. Um, if the Pacers don't want to be a defensive team anymore, then he's definitely the man for the job. I'm still cut up that they fired uh, Nate last year. I, I think that is a terrible decision on their part still. Mm-hmm. And they're suffering for it now. And it's, well, it's obvious. You know, they've won season with a coach and they fired him already. Yeah, for me, bad. it shows how wrong that decision was. Um, so... Uh, I can see why they've done it, but I also don't think their roster is quite there to kind of compete with the big dogs at the moment. And they seem to feel like they can. And that's why I feel like this coaching change has come again. Uh, So we'll see where we go with that one. Yeah, interesting. I think maybe Terry Stott's obviously a very, very experienced coach. I think he was the third longest tenured coach in the league. It's quite crazy, actually. This week, two of the top five uh, in terms of longest coaching jobs in the league have, have all been fired and Stotts being one of them. I think he may kind of help stable the organisation, but, and the problem with Portland, I guess it's just a bit stale after so many years. So maybe he'll do an even better job. Uh, I did see that some of the reporting was that the Pacers feel like they had a locked in top playoff roster with Sabonis, Lever, Brogdon, uh, Turner, etc., and they feel like they dramatically underachieved. So they obviously rate their roster more than maybe most people do. So interesting to see what they do, um, and interesting to see like how good the offense is. Like you said, that's kind of what he's known for is building an offense. I'm not sure it's very good. It's <laughs> like without Dame Lillard, it looks the offense looks great. But think about what Dame Lillard's done for that team. I'm not sure they do much else. Yeah, um, but you never know. This is a completely different set of players. He's got way more kind of ball handlers 
way more bigs than he used to have in Portland, so it could be different. But we'll see if he gets hired. Um, that leads us on, obviously, to the Blazers. They fired Terry Stotts um, after another disappointing playoff run. I think it's four first-round exits in the last five years. And then the other one, they got to the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors where they got swept. So they had one year of great success and then four years of maybe underachieving. What are your thoughts on the Blazers kind of firing him and and then the GM's comments the day after blaming the coach for the defence rather than his roster, which I think is a bit out of order. But what are your thoughts? I think it's a combination. I think if the Blazers want to go forward with this roster that they've got and get more success than they've had, I think it's achievable. And I think this is your first option. Change the coach around and see if they can unlock some sort of defensive scheme that these guys can buy into and, and be a part of before you then trade away all your big pieces in uh, maybe CJ or a Dame or whoever it may be. Because I, I, I do, I, we say all the time, I, I really rate this roster and I do feel like they could get more out, someone could get more out of them. So I, I can see why they've gone about it in this way. Because, like I said, they, they don't want to give up pieces. But if they bring in a, a more defensive-minded coach and they still aren't getting the results that they want, then that's that's your final straw. That's when you think about, oh, actually, OK, it's the roster I've constructed. Let's move some bits. Yeah, I just think he, he can't be stupid enough to think that the roster he made is good enough defensively. You've got Ennis Cantor and Carmelo Anthony coming off the bench. Like The defence was yeah. never going to be great, but... Especially with those two guards. I know Dame likes, tries very, very hard, but they're not naturally gifted defenders. So, yeah, I just think similar to you, really, that it needed some sort of change. This is the easiest way to do it. A bit of fresh kind of eyes for the for the offense and the defense. Maybe, hopefully, that they're kind of not quite true to their word and they don't just go with the same roster. Maybe they do make a couple of tweaks. Maybe Zach Collins comes back healthy as well. CJ could get traded. That seems to be a rumor every single summer, but we'll see. But I think this is the first step. Um, rumours are after Jason Kidd pulled himself out, Ben, which I find interesting that Dame apparently wanted Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd said he doesn't want the job. Um, I wonder if that's because he's got a promise for another job. But Chauncey Billups is the overwhelming favourite. And for me, I think that would be a great hire. And it's the one I hope they do, to be honest. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I've heard different reasons why he might have pulled out and heard people talking about it. And the Yeah, there's plenty of rumours flying around. That is for sure. Um, Billups could be could be great there. Could be really really good. Could be just what they need. Um, but there's yeah there's obviously a co- other couple of names in the mix like D'Antoni and Juwan Howard and Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, not Gundy, not Gundy. I know. I don't really want to see him coaching again either. But it could happen. Mm, interesting. But we'll see. I just be interested. Their next coach has to be. Well, it's the one to take Dame through the final part of his career, isn't it? So if they ever want to win anything, this coach and hire is really, really important. And there are already rumours of a Dame trade. We won't get into uh, into that today. Uh, next team then, Orlando Magic. This was not quite a firing. It's kind of mutual agreement, really, that between both parties. Uh, Clifford and them, in terms of they're going through a full rebuild and he didn't really want to be a part of a rebuild. And there's lots of rumours that he could join a coaching staff next year as an assistant. Like we've seen loads of experienced coaches do, like D'Antoni, um, I've forgotten the other guy's name now, but yeah. Oh yeah, and uh, Kenny Atkinson, for example, they joined top teams this year as kind of assistants, and that's the the rumor for Clifford. Does this one just make perfect sense, Ben, with the the age of the coach, the, the career he's had at winning games, and and kind of not wanting to rebuild? Because for me, I think this one was a bit of a no brainer. Yeah, I, I think it makes perfect sense. They're just at different points in 
there like he's at a different point in his career as to where the team are in terms of their development i guess um and it's nice that they've been able to do it under good sort of circumstances and it isn't a firing which is it's really nice to see because you don't actually see that very much in the nba anymore i don't think so um yeah i think it's good i, I i'm just happy to see the magic embracing this more of a rebuild style because uh, we've said it's it's been a long time coming yeah definitely and i think the fact that the, the bulls failed <laughs> in their playoff hunt and they're going to have a new coach in Orlando means this summer for Orlando could be really big because they could have two top six or seven picks, a brand new coaching staff, loads of young talent coming back healthy. So I think if you're a Magic fan, you've got to try and be positive. So hopefully this will be a positive thing. Odds-wise, Terry Stotts is favourite, but obviously rumours are he's going to go to Indiana. You've got David Vanterpool there, who used to coach with the Grizz. Jason Kidd is third favourite, so this could be the job. And then Becky Hammond and Chauncey Billups next. So very similar names. We both love Billups. We both love Becky Hammond. So hopefully those two can can end up with one of these jobs. Uh, and that leads us on to the last team then. For me, I know probably the most disappointing season, arguably, out of any of these teams compared to expectations, but the Boston Celtics have changed everything. Um, Danny Ainge has stepped away from his role, I think it was head of basketball operations. Uh, yeah. And Brad Stevens has actually stepped up into that role. Um, I think the GMs moved on as well. Uh, and one of the assistant GMs will move into that role, which obviously means the Celtics have got a new head of basketball ops and Stevens who's never done it before, but that means they haven't got a head coach, Ben. So this is technically not a firing at all. This is a retirement and then moving someone. Uh, Rumours are it's just for a fresh voice and that Stevens' voice has gone very, very stale with the young players, um, which I think makes sense. But in terms of the odds for the next coach, you've got, Kara Lawson, who I don't know who that is. Scott Morrison, Jay Laranga, <laughs> like assistant coach at the moment. Jason Kidd, Chauncey Billups, Lloyd Pierce, Sam Cassell, Becky Hammond again. So the names linked with this job are just crazy. It seems nobody really knows what's going to happen. So what are your thoughts on the big changes that are happening in Boston? Yeah, this was a, a real kind of left fielder at the time. Um, not just the Brad Stevens moving up. Because I think that kind of makes it just the whole situation. Um, yeah. Tara Lawson is the Duke's women's coach. Ah, um, uh, okay. So they are they are very good historically as a team. Yeah, it's interesting that Brad Stevens' voice has gone stale with the younger players, considering he was a college coach. You'd think he'd be more in tune with that kind of that sort of age group, if you will, of players rather than the older guys. But for some reason, it's not worked out that way. I don't know. I, they just need maybe someone a bit, like you said, maybe someone a bit stronger, more authority in the locker room kind of thing that's been there and done it and, and got that experience. Perhaps like a Dan Tony, someone like that, or or maybe a Jason Kidd, someone that they've looked up to when they've been coming up, someone that they're going to respect instantly to step in and, and take that on. I, there's two, the two Celtics assistants apparently are, going for it as well but that just seems so pointless for me if you're Same gonna again yeah if you're gonna have the assistant step in why have you even bothered moving brad stevens you may as well have just kept the team together yeah we'll see with that one yeah yeah i do agree and it's quite funny because um with his new role obviously brad stevens is basically going to handpick this new coach so um <laughs> like is he going to pick someone with very similar kind of basketball um what's the word philosophies to him 
which is that good, is that bad? You don't really know. There's a lot of rumours that he doesn't really like Jason Kidd, but Jason Kidd's quite liked by the ownership group. So you don't know. Already it's, it's a bit of a confusing one. Um, mm. And the other thing I find interesting, we've not seen this before, he's obviously coached these players and he knows who the personalities are that are causing issues or what players aren't developing, what players have reached their peak and you could move on. So it'd be interesting to see who he decides to trade and re-sign this off-season because he'll see these players closer up than anybody just going from the coach role. So I think it's weird because if he's loyal to these players, the team won't actually change that much. So I'm not quite sure of the benefit. But the other hand is he may not be loyal to them because he's fed up and there's been a lot of problems this year that we don't know about and that he could trade a few of them on. So I'm interested to see what happens. As a Mavs fan, let's get a pausing for Jalen Brown trade going. I want to see that ASAP. Uh, don't throw in Marcus Smart. Let's leave him in Boston. That would be great. Um, but we'll see. I think we could see a lot of Celtics players moving on this summer, to be honest. Uh, cool. Well, that's the, the coaching changes. As we hear news on who's going to get hired, slash link with the jobs, doing interviews, etc., we'll mention it. But last piece of news that we'll touch on quickly is two awards, Ben. Um, we picked... I don't know if we picked these. We picked one of these right, definitely, but I'm not sure about the other one. So MVP went to Nikola Jokic, as we both expected. Uh, incredible season, incredible playoffs as well. I think he got 70-odd votes as well. I think there's only four other first-place votes given out to anybody. So he wasn't quite unanimous, but but nearly. No shock here, just as a kind of quick summary, Ben? Yeah, we said all along, like, no matter how well kind of other players have done this season or stepped up this season, that Jokic has kind of got this nailed on, especially with uh, Murray going down and Jokic's production going up. Um, I thought he might struggle a bit more, but... He's gone from strength to strength, so a massively well-deserved MVP and the first centre to win it since Shaq, which is a nice little stat for you. And he's the highest draft pick in the history of the NBA to ever win it, being pick 41 in the draft. So hell of a career, yeah, hell of a year for him. And the Nuggets are still in the playoffs, so you never know. It could get even better. Uh, The other award was Coach of the Year. Monty Williams was the dramatic favourite for this, but actually Tom Thibodeau of the New York Knicks went for it, uh, won it, sorry. Obviously, it's a regular season award, so it was voted on before the playoffs, so that won't even come into the equation. Um, but for me, I, I think I met, we mentioned this on the pod before, and I think we both maybe did pick Monty slash Doc Rivers, but I think we both said Thibodeau was up there because they were due to win 22 games this year. I think they won 45, and obviously they got most improved player, got an all-star out of it. Defense was one of the best in the league. Three-point shooting was like third. I know it didn't look like that in, in the playoffs, but <laughs> in the regular season... He's made a team for me that's very average to poor into a good basketball team and got fourth seed in the East. So, deserved for me. What are your thoughts on, on Thibodeau winning this award? Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think he got the best out of this roster. Um, it's it's almost the same roster as last season. And he look at the difference. It's just incredible. And that is down to the way he's got them playing, the way he's got them bought into his systems and the respect he gets from those guys. So, massively well deserved yeah completely completely um interesting summer for them now and they've got 70 million in cap space loads of free agents as well so it, it could be a big year for the knicks any free agents or trades i'm sure are going to be revolved around new york again um yeah but i think now they're destination aren't they obviously the front office are absolutely love they're all ex-agents and most of them used to represent uh, players all around the league. You've got the guy who used to run Kentucky basketball, which produces the most NBA players in terms of programs. They've got Thibodeau, who's quite well liked across the league and turned a bad team into a good one. So, 
yeah, I think it's a big year. I've said all along, I think Chris Paul goes to the Knicks, so we'll, we'll see if that comes into, into fruition. But hell of a year for them. Uh, just We're not talking about the playoffs. <laughs> we'll just leave it at the end of the season. And that, that, that'll be enough. They need to go again. Uh, well, let's move on to the playoffs then, Ben. We'll talk about the series that kind of had games last night as we record this. So let's start in the Eastern Conference, as we usually do. 76ers are 1-1 with the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks did steal one of the road games. We haven't recorded since uh, this series started, so let's talk about both games. Uh, and I've got a good stat for you, actually. So the first game, obviously, the Hawks won. Uh, and they won 128 to 124, I believe it was. Um, so very, very high-scoring game. And in that game, Ben, Danny Green was the primary defender on Trey Young 41 times, uh, 41 possessions. And I think, what did he score? Was it 35 points and got 10 assists, which is crazy. Whereas last night, uh, he was only guarded by Danny Green twice <laughs> the whole game. Doc Rivers basically completely changed it. Uh, and he only got 21 points, seven of them, which were kind of in garbage time, 11 assists. And I think he was, what, 8% less field goal percentage. So a big, big difference. Do you think that is the key difference between game one and two? 100%. The, the Sixers came out in game two with a bit of fire in them. Um, the start of game one, the Hawks came out kind of as if they were playing the Knicks again. They were just firing all cylinders. Everyone was moving well. The ball was moving well. Everyone was shooting well. It was a kind of perfect storm. The Sixers were asleep and the Hawks were awake. And that absolutely scuppered it for the 76ers. I'm, I was astounded that they managed to pull it back to be within four. Yeah, the end of the game was a joke. <laughs> yeah. It, it was crazy. Um, so fair play to the 76ers. But once I saw the 76ers in that second half kind of get their win back under them and and sort of show what they could do, um, I knew they were going to win game two. And they look like they might just keep going from strength to strength here. I feel like they might get the measure of this Hawks team now. Um, if they're using Simmons and, and Thibault to slow down Trey Young like they have been, more so in game two than they they did a tour in game one then and you keep him under 30 points you're definitely doing the right thing um because they've not yeah. got a counter for Embiid no and that second game uh was 118 to 102 six, 16 point victory for 76ers they were pretty comfortable to be honest all the way from probably the mid third quarter and um, going back and watching it which is kind of quite dominant from them um and it's just, it is mind-boggling to me that you even try Danny Green as a primary defender on Trey Young. But these coaches do make weird decisions and adjustments is key. Uh, maybe they just thought they could win the game and kind of not quite use Ben Simmons and Thibault as much yet, but that soon proved to be incorrect. <laughs> but second game, that their game plan was much better. Uh, and Bede's injury seems to be non-existent. He's a little bit slower on the rebounds. like He's not risking going for as many contested rebounds. A lot of his rebounds are kind of straight to him or from wide open threes where they land to him. But aside from that rebounding issue, Ben, uh, everything else looks quite well. He's kind of moving laterally well when he's trying to guard Trey Young and pick and rolls. He's dunking the ball well. His shot looks quite good. His free throw shots are quite good. He's dived on the floor a few times for loose rebounds. So it seems like Joel Embiid is as healthy as he possibly could be with that injury, which is a good sign for, for Philly fans. Until I see him doing his thrust on the floor, I'm not convinced he's 100%. <laughs> No, that, that's the fitness test for everyone yeah, going forward. 100%. Uh, no, he's looked great, which makes me think maybe it wasn't as severe as we thought it was initially. Um, you know, minor meniscus tear could be 
the tiniest thing to it's kind of hanging on by a thread and they're just you know these nba doctors call injuries all sorts of wild things they big them up or they minimize them so i think they bigged up this one potentially i mean we'll see but he doesn't look hampered by it he scored 40 points got 13 rebounds in the, the most recent game um and that's with clint capella sort of draped all over him so he's looking great um and the rest of the 76ers are doing a job as well. Tobias Harris, again, chipping in with 22. Seth Curry, 21. Um, I hate that Seth Curry trade now. I hate that Seth Curry I trade. You. I know. So, he looks so good, doesn't he? Yeah, he looks great. Um, ben Simmons was quiet, but I think he was concentrating mostly on defending the sort of Hawks' primary threats. And the bench was non-existent until that fourth quarter. So, <laughs> yeah, Shake Milton got him going, didn't he? Oh, my God, yeah. If they can get that bench going earlier, it does not look great for the Hawks going forward. But it's nice to see this Hawks team doing well in the playoffs because this is the Hawks I expected to see when we made our predictions at the beginning of the season um, and it got a laugh out of you. But this is where I was expecting to see these this Hawks team playing well, sharing the ball, everybody shooting like this, um, Capella bringing down boards. Obviously, I think they've met their match in the 76ers, and I don't think they're coming out of this, but this is what I was expecting in the regular season. And this is what I was expecting in the regular season. They've given up 121 points average across two games, and I think that was the reason why I thought they were going to struggle, and I think that'll be the case. But I don't think it will finish 4-1, actually, personally. Um, like I agree with you. I think the 76ers will go from strength to strength, but I still think the Hawks are going to win one of these games. I think I, think I even said 76ers in six before it started, maybe. Um, and after seeing two games, I, I think six games is about where it's going to be. I just think that they'll catch fire one night with their shooting. Um, and you know the 76ers, they haven't, aside from a couple of guys, they haven't got loads of scorers. Uh, and if Thighball and Ben Simmons have to play loads of minutes and neither of them score at all, all it takes is one bad night from Harris or Curry. And I think that the Hawks could win one more game. But I, I agree with you that the 76ers do look a lot better and Embiid looks like going strength and strength and Clint Capella is just not enough to, to guard him. So it's going to be a fun series, but I agree. I think the 76ers look stronger now, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and game three is that'll be Friday night, I believe. So tomorrow night is where... Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, Friday night is where we're recording. 12.30 tip-off, so another good one UK time. Uh, key game there, Ben. You think the Hawks want to kind of stay in the series? They really try and have to steal one of these games in Philly? Yeah, it's oh no, also, sorry, in Atlanta. Sorry, it's in Atlanta, Atlanta now. They they need to win this first game at home. That is for sure. I think if they lose this first game, it could just be the sort of the All sweep from here on out. Yeah, um, yeah but they need to use this this home court and and use their crowd and and really get under the seventy six of skin. And, and Trey Young needs to be a bad guy. Trey Young, you know. Yeah, Bogdanovich as well playing so well. I just think. Uh, little bit more kind of consistent from three and that's their chance isn't it but we'll see i know the 76ers will be trying all they can to win the next game because then they think maybe the hawks will just kind of fold from there but yeah. we'll see um it's much more fun not funner because that's not a word ben it's much more fun <laughs> series than i first thought which is is only a good thing uh let's move on then to the western conference oh by the way me and ben both put the 76ers uh, in our pre, we haven't spoken really. In our pre-series uh, pick, did you pick them in six or did you pick them in five? I'm I'm struggling to remember. I feel like I might have gone six because I think we matched up exactly on a couple, didn't we? 
Yeah, we think we did. Let me just uh, double check the list so we can uh, say it to anyone that doesn't kind of read our, our Twitter. But at underscore Harvard Hoops, make sure you do read our Twitter. Uh, yeah, we both said 76 and 6, so we're, we're kind of on par for that at the moment, aren't we? So both both looking good there. Uh, right, let's move across then to the Western Conference. Um, thankfully for this one, there's only been one game in this series, so even easier to talk about. Uh, and it is the Jazz versus the Mavs. Oh, no, wait, it's not. We lost game seven. It's the Jazz versus the Clippers, unfortunately. Um, by the way, it's breaking news. LeBron James is changing his number from 23 to six. Oh, he's had a change of heart. Because six has always been his number. However, I, I, for some reason, when he entered the NBA, he went with 23 in Cleveland, even though he trains in six. It's so, so strange. I've never really understood it. For USA, he plays in six. Um, and then when he went to the Heat, he was six. And then he went back to Cleveland, went back to 23. And when he went to the Lakers, went with 23. So, I mean... I think Davis I think Davis was 23 in uh, New Orleans, wasn't he? But, he um, was. He's an out, they've said that he's probably going to remain at number three. Um, but it's just, funny because... Davis was 23 because LeBron was his hero, so he wanted to be 23 like LeBron, not the MJ 23, which is very interesting. I don't find it interesting. I find it disrespectful. But, it's just <laughs> but yeah, just a bit of random breaking news there. Maybe now he can have another thing to blame his losses on. It'll be the number, not the, the fake wrist injury or the fake eye injury. But we'll move on. <laughs> uh, speaking of LA teams, so the Jazz lost, uh, Jazz won, sorry, 112 to 109 last night, Ben. Uh, I didn't watch this one live because it's late. They're late tip-offs now. It's down to two games a night. Um, but I watched it back this morning, and it was a bit of a weird game. I don't know if you you probably I know you watched the highlights, but in terms of the whole game, the Jazz were terrible in the first half, uh, yeah. and then the third quarter, the Clippers were awful, and then they got to the fourth quarter. Right, Kawhi Leonard since playing the Mavs, I think maybe since game two, I'm not sure if it's the whole playoffs or since game two, he was 100% shooting field goal percentage in the fourth quarter. That's how lethal he's been. Ow. And they kept giving the ball to Marcus Morris, Rajon Rondo and Paul George in the fourth. I think Kawhi Leonard, they said something, had like two shots in the fourth quarter. That was it. And they were losing. So for me, it was one of the strangest games I've watched. But the Jazz get the win. Rudy Gobert blocks a corner three from Mr. Marcus Morris. Uh, mm. Why can you score 23 points in game seven against the Mavs and then be terrible in the next game? It's just very typical when someone who hates Marcus Morris like I do. But... Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about this game. I think Donovan Mitchell was an absolute beast. I think he scored something like 30 points in the second half. But for me, it's just that Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, he got 23 points, but none of it really in the second half. And Paul George was got 20 points, but he was awful in the second half. Luke Kennard got like 29 minutes, I think. Um, got 18 points, but basically Donovan Mitchell torched him. So we've had one game in the series, Ben. What are your thoughts on a, on a weird game one? I love this Jazz team so much. I find them so even when they're rubbish, like in that first half, I find them so enjoyable to watch. Um, Donovan Mitchell is incredible; he's so so good, um, especially at driving to the hoop. I, yeah. I've seen him; he just puts his head down and goes round, just does this like little scoop layup, keeping he's the defender on the opposite. Strong, path. isn't he? Very strong. Yeah, and he just it works every single time. So, I mean. It's great, and and when Rudy Gobert is kind of locked in in the middle, it's difficult to get around, especially with a team that lacks in size, shall we yeah. say. Um, there are a lot of wings, and, aren't there? Whereas Gobert struggles against 
big guys or small guys, whereas they've just got a lot of kind of wings which don't really fit the Go Bear thing. Exactly. And the, my my issue at the moment is, so Utah didn't shoot particularly well, as we can see, which is scary. So there's there's more to come from them there. Um, they didn't play. Um, oh my god, why have I blanked on his name? Con- Conley's injured. Yeah, hamstring injury. Yeah. I don't think he'll be fit for game two either, though, probably. Hamstring's dodgy, isn't it? Because he's 30-odd yeah. years old now. You don't want to risk that, do you? No. So they've got him to come back. My issue is a lot of people are talking about they'd use Mike Connolly to guard Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, which, for me, absolutely not. <laughs> he could guard <laughs> Paul George, but if not quite. He's coming off of a hamstring injury. Yeah, I don't want to then chuck him in against their two best players. Get him on Canard. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. Get him on Pat Bev. Six minutes. He don't play that much now, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> uh, my uh, my only thing is 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 for the Clippers. Where's that production going to come back from? Are they expecting Kawhi and Paul George to go thirty points each to, to yes. get over the line in the next game? Uh, probably. Got is me, that yes. realistic though? Probably. Well, it has to be for max players, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Kawhi was their clearly their best player. Um, I don't know why they didn't give him the ball more in the fourth. He, he ended with a minus twelve on on the plus minus, which is just crazy, isn't it? Yeah, um, I, I listened to a good podcast actually, and I want to get your opinion on this. So it was about the Mavs series. I think it was after game six. Um, so obviously the Clippers had just tied it up, so it's a good game, and Kawhi Leonard was really really good in the fourth quarter. And they mentioned an interesting thing that from game five to game six in the fourth quarter they kind of stopped playing a point guard because what they were finding was whichever point guard they put in would take maybe ten seconds in every possession to get the ball to Kawhi Leonard. Whereas in the game six they just had Kawhi bring the ball up the court and it means he can start every offense and either he's going to get double straight away or he's going to find his shot straight away. Um, and he's clearly their best player. Do you agree with the idea that, like, they didn't... In the fourth yesterday, they had Jackson and Rondo playing at times, and Canard and Rondo playing together other times. Do you agree that sometimes they just need to say, right, Kawhi, you're bringing the ball up, just because why bother wasting 10 seconds with these other guys? Yeah, perhaps if that's the, the route they're going down, where, right, this is Kawhi time, let's get him the ball, let's feed him the ball, let's get him doing this, get him doing that. I, I guess it just depends for Kawhi, how he prefers playing. Does he prefer to go up, find his spot, then receive the ball? Or does he prefer to be in full control in terms of taking the ball up, setting the offense, creating the motion, or or finding his shot himself? I think it's going to vary throughout the game, not just from game to game, uh, how he's feeling, whether he's tired, whether he needs a bit of a break. Um, Those fourth quarters, though, isn't it? That's what I'm talking about. It's it's going to be vital for this series, isn't it? 100%. 100%. Especially if it's a tight game. Um, yeah, Joe Ingles spent a lot of time guarding him as well, which went relatively well, to be honest, for, for him. But I just think that you can't have Marcus Morris taking... I think he took five shots in the fourth quarter. Rondo took three. Canard took... I, I haven't got Canard's number, but I remember two at least. So For me, there are seven shots that Kawhi should probably take, especially when Paul George is missing every shot, like he was in the second half. But. Yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? The Jazz will have six or seven players that will shoot comfortably. And yes, I know in the fourth quarter, Mitchell goes off a lot of the time. But they still have six or seven guys that most of the game, they're relatively comfortable shooting. But it seems like sometimes the Clippers will have possessions where some guy has to shoot just to do something different. But you don't really want them shooting. 
Um, and like I said, the only game that they really turned up for against the Mavs in terms of the bench and second unit was game seven where Morris scored 20 odd and Jackson scored 20 odd. But if you're not going to do that every night, I think the Jazz are going to have a lot of players that can score 20 points every night. So I think Kawhi and George are going to have to be excellent. Um, and we even got a DeMarcus Cousins sighting in this game in the first half, which was fun. I mean, for four minutes, the production's not bad from Cousins. Where is he? Um, he had a a steal. He had like six points, four rebounds, something in six minutes. It's yeah, that's good. Impressive. And I bad as well. If his minutes go up in the next couple of games, just because I think he's maybe one of those centers that can cause uh, Gobert a little bit of problems because his shot isn't too bad. He could pull Gobert out onto that perimeter a bit more, giving Paul George and, and Kawhi room to then penetrate. But yeah, uh, I agree. And I think when Favors is on the floor, Favors played what fifty? No, how many minutes did Favors play? So fifteen minutes, I think I read. Yeah, uh, yeah, fifteen minutes. Um, I know. Uh, he is a little bit smaller in stature in terms of height compared to Gobert. But I think when Favors is on the floor, I think playing Cousins makes even more sense because you don't have the worry and pick and roll on the other end because Gobert is so quick, isn't he? Because he's quite lanky. Yeah. Um, you don't have that worry about him. I know Favors would still roll to the rim, but he's not going to roll with that pace. He's more of a power player in terms of center position. So I think Cousins could play more. And what Cousins gives you is, I think it is, from honest, bad defense. But Favors isn't gifted offensively. Uh, and you can put four good defenders with him. But I think he gives you a bit more scoring. So if you want to give Paul George and Kawhi, not a break off the court, but just a break in having to shoot so much, maybe Cousins could get you 12 points a night if you played him for for a little bit more time. And that might help you a little bit. But it all depends on the other end, doesn't it? Because Mitchell will, will go at him every time. So it's a little bit of cat and mouse there, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. And I think that's what just, I think that's the way the Clippers need to go. I'd love to see. Cousins playing a couple more minutes, even if it's just they up him to like 10 minutes in the next game just to try it and, and see what they yeah. get. But it's just this Utah team is so dangerous. I mean, if they're not, they give it to you from, from three, and when you push out on them from three, then you, that's when your Donovan Mitchells and stuff start driving inside and, and the pick and rolls are really go bare, and he, he goes to the rim for the dunks, start coming thick and fast. And it, it's almost impossible to, to kind of stick to one defensive scheme against this team because they are so versatile. Mm. Yeah, they are. They are. And without Conley, I think there'll be games that it's tougher, but to win any games without Conley to start with is a very, very good start. So I think Jazz fans will be very happy with that. Uh, so game two is, uh, what's that, Thursday, well, technically Friday morning, but Thursday night, 3 a.m., so another late one. They're all going to be late for this series, I think, due to uh, due to time zones. Um yes. Yeah, Jazz obviously home court advantage. So technically, if they go 2 0 up, the Clippers shouldn't panic because that's kind of in brackets how it's supposed to go. Um, but I think the Clippers will be desperate to steal one on the road. That'll be that'll be their aim, especially after struggling to win any games at home against the Mavs. I think they'll want to make sure they win win road one of these road pitch. Yeah, one of these road games. Uh, in terms of the series prediction, then um, we didn't put this one out on the pod because. Uh, we didn't have an episode, so we had to tweet this one out. So Ben said Jazz in six. I said Clippers in seven. So however way you look at it, game one doesn't really matter because <laughs> yeah. Clippers are going to lose four ga- uh, three games in my scenario. And the Jazz to get off to a good start is perfect for Ben's uh, Ben's six games. But what are your thoughts on, on game two? I don't think Conley will play. Um, not quite a must win for the Clippers, but you'd like to see maybe maybe a better second half, better fourth quarter performance for sure. 
yeah, you want to see them being consistent throughout the game. If they're going to start well, let's finish well. Uh, and the opposite for the for the Jazz. Yeah, I, start better, yeah. Yeah, and I think resting Conley one more game is good. Now you've got this one-game cushion, because at least if you lose it, you go back to your, basically your nil-nil again, aren't you? And your work again. So they're in a really, really good position. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good series, I think. Um I basically picked the Clippers because of Kawhi. Uh, I think he got... The, so he's the first player since Shaq in Shaq's second playoff uh, to have over 100 points in a series and score 60% field goal percent, uh, which is crazy. Uh, he was shooting something like... He shot 57, 50, and 94 in four of the six games against the Mavs. Uh, sorry, the four of the last seven games in the Mavs. Um, so Kawhi just on an absolute fire at the moment. I just think that he'll be the difference. But fair play to Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he lost some bad playoff series at the start of his career, and now he's getting those kind of wins that we all see people get. Even MJ and LeBron had a couple of bad playoff series when they first come into the league, and then you get your scars and then you learn, don't you? So I think Donovan Mitchell is uh, is proving that to be. But interesting series for sure. Uh, let's move back then. We're going to go back to uh, no, we'll stay in the West actually, just because of tonight's games or game. Uh, Suns v Nuggets, Ben. So Suns are one nil up. They took the first game at home. The second game is actually this evening. It's the only game tonight, so it's one of the rare nights with one game. Two uh, thirty a.m. tip off, so late for any Suns fans. And I know there's loads of Suns fans as well in the UK, so there'll be loads of people staying up for that. They won the first game, one hundred and twenty-two to one hundred and five. Uh, Chris Paul looked really, really good. To be honest, he looked back to himself, scoring twenty-one points, eleven assists. Devin Booker got twenty-one as well. But the key one here was Mikel Bridges. 23 points, and we've said many times that when Mikael Bridges scores and gets a three-point going, this team is very hard to stop, isn't it? So what were your thoughts, I guess, on on game one uh, and the MVP, Nikola Jokic, losing that first one in Phoenix? This Suns team is so tough and just so energetic. And the biggest problem any team against them has got is if it's close in the fourth quarter, they've got Chris Paul. He just took over the last couple of minutes of that game and saw it out in the way that he always does, in this this calm, cool, collected way. Just, yeah, I'm on the ball. I'm going to get to this spot. I'm going to take this shot. I'm going to feed the ball to you here. We're going to play. We're going to run this play and blah, blah, blah. And that experience and cool and calm head is exactly what this young, lively Phoenix team needs in those crunch times in these big games. And it for me at the moment, Phoenix feels like the perfect storm of youth and experience coming together. Um, I mean, it, it's still close and I still think the Nuggets are going to get a couple of games here. They seem to start slow in series and figure it out as they're going. Um, maybe they, they play Aaron Gordon on Booker a bit more just to get that size advantage on him. Um, you don't expect that kind of production from Jay Crowder every night. So maybe they lose a couple of points there sometimes. But Jokic has got to be going 30 plus a night. Um, yeah, and I was going to say to you, you're not, you, for me, if he has any nights under 30 points, unless he's getting something like 15 plus assists, 20 assists. They're never going to win in this game. He got three assists, 22 points, which is terrible for him. I know it's good for a lot of players, but for him, that's poor. They're never going to win a game, are they, if he has a stat line like that? 
No, he he needs to be yeah like thirty plus a night, and with Aaron Gordon and and Michael Porter Jr. doing that, fifteen to twenty points as well. Um, Campazzo had a great game. He has really impressed me as well since Jamal Murray went down. Uh, not just in terms of stepping up and taking on some offensive load, but his passing is incredible. He reminds me a lot of Ricky Rubio when Ricky Rubio first came into the league. The passes he's thrown sometimes are just out of this world. Having him on Jokic, him and Jokic on your team must just be like a shooter's dream if if they had shooters. <laughs> that was my name. Yeah, it's Austin Rivers' dream. <laughs> without yeah, the shooting, without the, the shooting. Step point. Yeah, but no, I agree. Campas has been really, really good. Um, obviously, played for Madrid for a long time. And anyone who listens to the pod knows that's how I found Luka Doncic by because I watch Madrid basketball, uh, and Campazzo was just sensational in Spain for for many, many years. There's no surprise, and it's no surprise he annoys a lot of people as well because that's very a famous trait he had in Europe was him annoying opponents, especially guards, and he definitely annoyed Lillard, and he definitely got under Chris Paul's skin a bit in this game, but unfortunately not enough. Um, what else do they need to do then on defense in terms of Nuggets to try and win some of these games because. I don't know, Jokic, not known for his defensive ability, so I think it's going to be hard for him to stop Aiton. Do we kind of need Aaron Gordon and, and, and Porter Jr. to step up a bit, even though Porter Jr. is not known for the defence? I, I On Aaron Gordon, potentially, but like I said, I think he might be used elsewhere to kind of slow Booker down a bit more when Austin Rivers is on him. But do you know who I'd like to see a bit more to help them defensively? And I don't know, you might laugh at this, but I think JaVale McGee needs some minutes. Defensively... <laughs> just to slow down Aiton, just a body on him, someone who's long and physical and athletic. I know he's not the same player as he used to be, but just to come in and that experience, he's got championship pedigree from Golden State and and from the Lakers, and he's matured so, so much. But there's obviously something going on, like, because he's not getting a look in with minutes, but that could be an option to slow down at least Aiton for a couple of possessions, just five minutes, just to give Nikola Jokic a rest. And you've now got a reliable centre who can run the floor and, and is better defensively. That Two-time is... champion, JaVale McGee. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I don't really love Marcus Howard. People raved about some defence he did on Dame Lillard, but I just think he ran around a lot. I don't think he does, <laughs> he does a lot else. But yeah, either him or Jermichael Green cutting down their minutes, letting Millsap play a bit more four rather than five. Maybe you could play McGee against Aiton a little bit. Um, Jokic could play four as well next to him as well. It was an option, but we'll see. There's always random adjustments, especially when you go 2 nil down. Uh, if not saying that will happen, but if that does happen, teams can often just do as much. Like it's, it's do or die, isn't it? So you make as many changes as you want, and maybe McGee is kind of a backup option in this, but we're going to have to see. But... Yeah, the Suns are really, really impressing me. Uh, and Ben, did you think Chris Paul looked as good as he's looked for a couple of weeks? Yeah, definitely. He, he warmed up into it, but like I said, by that fourth quarter, it was classic Chris Paul. Fully in control, hitting shots where he wants them, how he wants them, and just running the show. And it's so nice to see, because it, especially people of our generation like l- love Chris Paul and appreciate what he's able to do with the ball and... Um, it's just nice to see him getting back to full health in, in a playoff situation. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, Suns team are exciting, and I think they're riding that that kind of wave from the Lakers win for sure. Uh, so, like I said, game two tonight sound is just super obvious to be honest. The seven game series probably a bit cliche, but the Nuggets will be desperate to win because two zero down is never great. But we've seen the Nuggets do it before. 
Uh, so rather than ask you what you kind of think needs to happen, because it's tonight, let's get a prediction then. Do you think the Suns go out and win and go two up, or do you think the Nuggets claw it back and we're going back to, to Denver tied 1-1? Do you know what? I think the Suns are going to go again. I, I just feel like they've really got the win behind them and they're they're gunning for it. Um, and they want these wins as quickly as possible. So I think they're not going to take their foot off, off the gas here. Uh, if they can keep Jokic under that 30, then it's very dangerous for them. Yeah, it is. Um, I think the Suns are going to win as well. I think it'll be a closer game. I think Jokic actually goes off a little bit after winning that MVP award, but... I just think the Suns are going to be able to hold on down the stretch with Chris Paul, like you said. But I think it'd be a much closer game, that first game. was. You had people like Bol Bol getting minutes at the end just just for garbage time. It was that bad. So I think we'd go for a tighter game, but yeah, maybe the same result. Overall, I picked the Suns in seven. Uh, yeah, seven. You picked the Suns in six. So we both got on Suns. You just think they'll do it a game earlier. So if they do win tonight, your prediction will be looking much more healthy. So we shall see. Uh, right, let's move on to the last series then. And what was dubbed as the best series... But it's looking like the worst series. Uh, yeah, Bucks v Nets. Uh, the Nets are 2-0 up in the series. Uh, they won both their games uh, in Brooklyn. Game three is is it uh, yeah tomorrow night, so it's half 12, so it's the earliest tip-off time, um, which is helpful. Overall, Ben, the series has been a disaster for the for the Bucks. So first game was 115 to 107. That was the first game of the, the second round. The next game was even worse for the Bucks. It was 125 to 86. Um, and both these games have happened with James Harden getting injured 46 seconds into game one. So the Nets have been able to do this without their, well, for me, their second best player. Some people say third, some people say first, but second best player. What are your thoughts then over on this series? Is this going to be a Coach Bud disaster again? Potentially, it's, it's starting to go this way. I think he is definitely making some mistakes. If you look at minutes-wise, what is he doing? Giannis <laughs> played 31 minutes. Chris Middleton, 34 minutes. Drew Holiday, 34 minutes. It's the playoffs. You've got nothing left after this. Play your best players. It's so <laughs> stupid. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um, and when he takes these guys out, the Nets go on the biggest runs that they go on. It's it's so simple. And I don't understand why he doesn't see that. I think game two was worse because of the blowout. So there's no point risking them, almost. But yeah, even in game one, Giannis was 35 minutes. Uh, Holiday, 37. Middleton, 36. So not getting even near that 40-minute mark, which most teams tend to play their stars for during second-round playoff ties. He, he puts him in for six minutes in the third and always pulls him out for the rest of it, and it's just infuriating. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't get it at all. Um, so that is definitely a mistake that they are making. Yeah, it means Jeff Teague has to play 14 minutes in a game, Ben. <laughs> and he, shouldn't, he should be playing five at most. At most, yeah. Um, so that's frustrating. I mean, after after game one, I, all right, they lost Harden, but it's an eight point game, and they didn't shoot very well. Like the Bucks have been shooting, like they did against the Heat. Um, yeah, so you're thinking game two, right? Bit of positivity, let's go win, and then they get blown yeah. out. I mean, Giannis looked unstoppable in that first game. 
They could not do anything with him. He he got to where he wanted, did what he wanted, and and even Middleton didn't really have a very good game. He only scored thirteen points. You'd expect you, you want him to be scoring at least twenty. Uh, Drew Holiday was fine, played well, seventeen nine and six, so absolutely fine. Uh, so I expected the Giannis production because he looked unstoppable, plus a bit more from Middleton, plus the three pointers going down. Well, you look at the Brooklyn side of things, Kevin Durant scored 29. I, I expect him to be going for like 35-ish. Kyrie Irving, 25. That's probably about 25 to 30 points. Blake Griffin, 18. No chance he's doing that again. They've lost points there. Um, Joe Harris is up and down as well. So I feel like their point production maybe dropped slightly in game two. And... <laughs> The Bucks continue to shoot like garbage. Um, and Giannis went for 18 points, which is just awful from him. Took a lot of uh, top of the uh, top of the break threes as well. Just un- just five seconds into a shot clock, dribble the ball up, jack three, miss. <laughs> like, like when you see that shooting percentage as a team, it's not very good at all, but I, I like, just, a lot of that is Giannis, which is not great. I think they shot 29%, 30, basically 30% from three. Um, but Giannis, like I said, he missed three straight off the break threes. It's just like, yeah, this is just not how you play. Um, and also, I listened to a pod today, and they're like, what is the point in Brook Lopez? Because he's massive, but you're playing him against shoot. Kevin Durant. The Nets aren't changing their centre because they're just shooting over him. They don't need to... They're like, okay, we won't go to the rim. Like You can leave him in to guard the rim. But we're not even going to go to the rim if he's there. We're just going to shoot over him or shoot pull-ups. Uh, but he tends, he just keeps leaving him in. He played 26 minutes. I put him in the corner to shoot. Don't even use him on the offensive glass that much. I just think maybe they have to go small and PJ Tucker has to, to play more minutes and, and Brooke has to play less minutes. But they need to try something because you can't afford to go 3-0 down in any series, in my opinion, especially against a, a team with so many good players as, as the Nets. Yeah, that's definitely a, a telling difference. They were... 44% from two and and 29.6 from three, whereas Brooklyn were like 60% from two and 50% from three, which is crazy in that game. But yeah, you could be right. I think they kind of, it maybe Brooke himself as well, has forgotten how good he is actually offensively inside as well. He's a big guy. And yeah. when he's going against Claxton and, and Griffin, he's got the advantage there. Maybe he does need to use his post game a bit more. Or, it's because of Giannis, though, isn't it? Because then you've got two people that can't play playing inside, yeah, and you've got no space. So maybe they switch it around again and go Giannis at the centre and, and have PJ as that kind of yeah. potential outside present. Yeah, the four. The four. But uh, they need to sort something. And I, I just want to know what goes through Giannis's mind in terms of you've gone from one of the most dominant performances in the playoff series we've seen so far to not having any impact whatsoever. And it makes the heat look really bad, by the way. <laughs> like really bad. Oh, yeah. Right now. Yeah. All the blowout blowout wins that the Bucks had against the Heat. Um <laughs> now they're getting blown out themselves. <laughs> one of their players, yeah, and still absolutely killing them. So they need to come back with some fire under them in this next game, especially at home. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we've criticised Middleton before and we kind of said, not well, yeah, I guess we said we were wrong. 
this this season. He's been excellent this season, especially in games that Giannis has missed when he, when he did miss a little bit more games this year. But in the playoffs again, I know he hit that game winner, didn't he, in game one of the Heat series. But overall, like especially in this series, like he's just not shooting very efficiently. And I don't know, that old adage of you, he, you can't win a championship with him as your second best player is coming back. And for me, Drew Holiday has firmly displaced him as second best player. I think Holiday has even been relatively good in this series. He just has too much to do defensively. Yeah. Uh, but it's just Coach Bird. I think he'll get fired if, if they lose this series, in my opinion. 100%. I think they've already started interviewing. <laughs> well, have you got one of you? You've been doing some Zoom yeah, interviews. You're like, right, I want to get Mo Williams back out of retirement. He's going to play with Giannis. Yeah, pick, back <laughs> pick and roll. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do think yeah, it's a struggle for the Bucks. But I think we've maybe spoken a little bit too much about the Bucks and not enough about the Nets. And part of that is because Ben has picked the Bucks to win in seven games and I think he's feeling quite emotional about Coach Bud's decisions here whereas I pick the Nets in six if I'm honest I wish I'd have picked them in five uh, I do think they'll win one game but I'm regretting six I think it should be five now but let's just talk about the Nets for a second this is without James Harden um, I've said all along I, I don't know if you haven't been as confident I don't think obviously tell me if I'm wrong but I've said all season I think they're going to walk the title whereas I, I think you felt differently uh, they're shooting 50-40-90 as a team in the playoffs as a whole team, which is just, That's yeah, it's just miraculous. Kevin Durant is shooting 57, 50 and 94 in the playoffs, which it would be the best numbers of all time if he held those numbers throughout the, the whole entire playoffs. Um, and listen to this stat. So 91% of Kevin Durant's three-point shots have been contested in the playoffs, the highest among all players in playoff history. He's shooting 50% from three. On ninety percent guarded, <laughs> literally unguardable. That is just crazy. Uh, he looks, yeah, he looks a hundred percent. It's not ninety nine percent of what he was. It's a hundred percent. Like he's guarding Brook now in the post, um, and he blocked two shots from Brook in these two games as well. Uh, obviously, Brook Lopez is is a big boy, um, so I just think they look dominant. Uh, they just look for me. They're just going to walk the title. I just truly believe that. But I would like to see some more fire from the Bucks. But why don't you just talk about your opinion on on kind of how good the Nets look overall as a team, and I guess like things like the ball movement when they haven't even played together that much, it's just sensational for a team that people were worried about would just have ISO ball all the time. Yeah, that was the biggest concern: these three superstars and who are these role players, and what's the chemistry going to be like? And they've definitely quashed that. They look great as a team, as a unit. You know, people like Nick Claxton getting up and getting minutes. Tyler Johnson playing really well. Cabarro getting... He was great, actually, Cabarro in the bubble for quite a while when they yeah, went he was. like the third string nets, and he was, <laughs> he was great. Yeah. Uh, Blake Griffin, obviously, the star of that bench, that star of the reserves, really. He's been incredible for them. Yeah, I, there's lots of people putting up stats of him on the Pistons versus now, and it's um, it does take some reading. It is hilarious how he kind of took the mick in him. Detroit to get out of there and get onto a team like this. Um, they just, yeah, they're just clicking really, really well together. And the, the chemistry is flowing. So as long as Kyrie and Kevin can keep this kind of um, scoring up and are, and they're happy to share the ball. It's just Harden is the best passer of the, the, the three of them, whether they are happy to kind of share that distribution role as well amongst the others and the others continue to hit these shots then 
they are just going to continue to go to strength to strength. So uh, they will be very interesting to keep an eye on in the next couple of games, that is for sure. Yeah, completely. Um, obviously, game three for me, the Bucks have to win, stand the chance in this series. Would you agree with that idea? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and we'll, we'll, this one's tomorrow as well, so we don't do we don't want to do loads of predictions always because things change so much. But for me, I just think the Nets are going to win. Uh, I think the Bucks might win Game Four. You know, when it's do or die on your home court, a lot of teams end up winning, don't they? That Game Four at home, and then it goes back to the other team, similar to the Celtics, and then it goes back to the other team, and then they do the business. I think, I think the Bucks will win one of their home games at most. But for me, I think Game Three, the Nets will come out firing just to kind of finish the series. What about you? They need to win this one, otherwise it's over. Um, but are you yeah. going to pick them to win? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick them. Why not? Let's go Bucks. Giannis <laughs> is going to score 37 again. Uh, Middleton's actually going to hit some shots. And Drew's uh, uh, going to slow down Kyrie. There you go. Heard it here first. There we go. And just a, a bit of update for everyone. It was confirmed today that James Harden won't play game three. Uh, he's day-to-day with a hamstring tightness. It's not a strain, it's just tightness and definitely won't play in game three. So that'll buoy the books, uh, buoy the books, buoy the books as much as possible. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm going to go to the net, so I just think that, that could be too good. But it'll be an exciting game. It's just disappointing, Ben, isn't it? That this, the games have been so far apart because we all wanted this to be the, the finals, as it were. Especially but, um, since their regular season matchups were very tasty. Yeah. But yeah, it's just not in the, the playoffs. But yeah, that is our, our fourth series then. Um, now we're kind of narrowed down. Every single time we do a pod, we'll talk about every series and in depth. But we want to end these podcasts as much as we can now, while, when, depending on how the news is going, with a little bit of a segment, like a top five or top three of something. Um, this week, I picked the, the, the topic, and I've gone with quite a basic one. I've gone with our top five favourite players in the NBA at the moment. So this is not the best. So you could have whoever you want in this. You could have a terrible player. It's just your favourite, who you like the most. Uh, why don't we go through your list first, Ben? Um, why don't you start with your number one, and then we'll, we'll work down. Actually, no, start with your five, and then work up. Okay. I Just as a preface, I thought it was a bit boring if I leave LeBron in my list. So I've taken him out, because I want a fresh five for this. But we all know that Bronze is number one, guys. So exactly. So it's boring. So let's let's oh. switch up. He's he's not existing in this world. Um, so in at five... It's a good world. ...is Jonas Valanciunas, the big <laughs> beef, the big beard himself. Love it. I like that one. into a team, rebounds a ball, does what he needs to do. He's a mature head on that young Memphis Grizzlies team that, have, that put the sword to so many talented teams this year. Um... I just love the way the, the way he plays and, and the style he's got. It's old school and I'm all about it. Cool. Let's rattle for him. So number four. Four. Didn't play this season, but I nice. love him nonetheless. Clay Thompson. Drink nice. beer, eat pizza in interviews after games. It's a good all one. About that life as well. It's a good one. Hopefully back next season, we we hope. My fingers are crossed. Number three. Three this season's MVP, Nikola Jokic. Wow. You love to see a big man pass like that boy. Um, <laughs> he's also a bit doughy as well. So, you know. Man after your own heart. Yeah. Everyone likes a bit of dough on a man. And he's pale and gets sunburned a lot like you. So, 100%. <laughs> yeah. He's the version of me I want to be if I was that tall. That's <laughs> cool. Well, we're up to your top two now. 
even though they're kind of two and three with LeBron as, yeah. as a favorite. Who's number two? I'll put CP3 in there. I love him. Wow. He's Banana just so cool and calm and collected and just... He just owns who he is. And, and it's just... It's not on the court as well. It's off the court how respected he is by everybody, how great he is with his, his family and his kid. And he's the head of the Players Association. He's just an all-round great guy. Nice. And you're number one if it's very, not LeBron. This is going to be very controversial as well. This will be controversial because I haven't got a clue who you're going to say after seeing this. Um, and this is purely because of the way he plays. Um, I don't condone any of his off-court comments or behaviors. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> but Kyrie Irving is... Oh, Kyrie's a good guy, really, I think. One of the be- best players I've ever, ever seen play. And what I think people don't see a lot of the time is how good his shooting is. Like, he's got the handles and he can finish anywhere around the rim, but his shooting is outstanding as well. Um, and purely because he is my favourite player to watch play, Kyrie Irving's top my list there. I've got a list of about six honourable mentions, which I'll go to after you've done your list. But, um, cool. yeah, that's yeah, I like that. Uh, that's a good list, good list. Cleveland fan, obviously, historically, uh, which is good yeah. for, for Kyrie. So, number five then, I cheated a little bit. I couldn't decide, so I've got to join. They're two big boys, bit of dough on them, bit of strength, very different in terms of how they play. I'll go on Draymond Green, uh, yeah. best defender in NBA history, and Zion Williamson, not the best defender in NBA history. Um, but I couldn't pick between the two, so rather than honorable mention, I just banged them both in. Uh, I love Green. I love that Warriors team. I think his his attitude is incredible. His competitiveness is like me whilst playing mini golf on holiday. That's how into it I get. Uh, and Zion, I think he's just super fun. Obviously, I loved him at Duke. NBA, this season he was incredible. Last season injuries kind of stopped him, but I just think he's super fun to watch. And I think for a long time, he'll be a very good player. Um, number four, uh, three and four was so tough. So, so tough. I went with Steph Curry at number four. Yeah, I thought he'd um, be higher on your list, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's tough. My top four are very close together, not going to lie. Uh, so I'm with Steph Curry, um, best shooter ever. Just super, super fun to watch. Uh, I was one of the rare people that loved uh, the Golden State teams, to be honest. And when I decided to, to, to switch from a team, I couldn't switch to the Warriors to be a bandwagon. I went with the Real Madrid link and Luca, but because um, me and Dad used to watch Real Madrid play basketball. But... To be honest, I would have loved to have picked the Warriors and gone to Warriors games when I've been to America just because of Steph. So I think he's that good. He's, he's probably going to be a top 10 player, 15 player of all time when it's all said and done. <laughs> Three, I went with Melo just Mello. because he's why, he's why I love basketball. Um, got into him at Syracuse for the tournament when they won. He was incredible then. Obviously in Denver, he was just out of this world. Like his Denver highlights, Ben, when you go back and watch, enough. Like, they are disgusting. Him They're and so- LeBron were so similar in terms of how they used to finish around the rim. How they got yeah. there was very different, but how fierce they were at dunking and driving at people before Melo kind of got older and changed his game and LeBron obviously just got fitter and fitter and stayed playing the same. I think yeah. I think Melo was just uh, electric. Um and yeah, in in New York, just made. I mean, I've seen him play live probably nearly twenty times now, um, and I just love Carmelo Anthony. He's just incredible. He's a great person as well off the court. Um, in my opinion, I, I really admire him as a person and what he did for New York. So that was good. Number two, I went with Kevin Durant. 
Yeah. Um, this is my similar answer, actually, to your Kyrie one. Um, he's probably my favourite player to watch uh, just go to work. Like you said with Kyrie, like, right, Kyrie's watch his handles, bang, score. I could watch that. You could watch that all day. I could watch Durant hit their mid-ranges, pull up over guys from two. Um, I just think he's so intelligent. And Again, I like the fact he's an individual off the court and doesn't take any nonsense from from people. And some people don't like him for, for the way, how honest he is, but I've always admired that. Um, so, yeah, Durant. And the number one, of course, is the man Cic. from Slovenia. Luka Doncic, yeah. Um, yeah. Him and Durant are very, very similar for me. Uh, Luka's more of a fun personality. Um and I just loved watching him play for Real Madrid, so I kind of got that link to him. Whereas Durant, I never really liked OKC because of Westbrook that much, so I didn't really want OKC to do well. Whereas Luca, I've kind of always loved, and obviously now plays with team I support. So, yeah, I just love Luca. I think he's funny off the court, funny on the court. He probably plays more similarly as well to a style that I kind of pretend I enabled when I was 16 uh, <laughs> in terms of being a bit bigger, but thinking you're a point guard. So... Yeah, I love Luca. So that, that that is my list, and I'll do an honorable mention for J.R. Smith just because I used to love him for for the Knicks. When you won that sixth man, he was electric. So that could be an honorable mention for me. Uh, who are your honorable mentions before we wrap up? It's quite a list. A couple of them you've mentioned as well. So Steph and Luca were on my honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, Embiid when he's focused is incredible. Ja Morant because he's just you he love Ja Morant. Unreal, yeah. yeah. Bradley Beal is great. Um, Donovan Mitchell was on there. Uh, Boban. Bobby. He's great. Um, And then two players that aren't kind of... that I love just because of what they've brought to the game. They're not at that point in their careers anymore. But Kevin Love and Blake Griffin um, have been great to watch over the years. So had to give them a little shout out. Well, when we were growing up and... Don't, you don't have a you don't have a job, and you can watch as much basketball as you want. Those two players are very prominent, weren't they? With the Clippers teams and the, the Minnesota, and then the Cavs teams. Those two those two players were electric, weren't they, back yeah. in the day? So yeah, for sure. Um, I like the Bobby mention. He's like my Jr. Smith in terms of even though Jr.'s way better than Bobby's been in the NBA, they're both slightly com- comedic characters in the NBA history. I think larger than life, for sure. But some good lists. But if anyone's got any other top fives they'd like to hear us do, um, send ben them in. Is- yeah, send them in to at and score but hoops. Ben's task for the week is going to be thinking of a top five for us to do for our Sunday podcast. We're probably going to record Sunday, we think. Yeah. Um, it might be out late Sunday night, so most of you might get it Monday morning. But Ben's going to go away, think of a top five, and we'll send it to me, and then we'll do another little list to finish. But I think that, that that's us done, Ben. So I think everyone should go enjoy some basketball, some really, really good series, hopefully some tighter games. We need some closer games. I think there's yeah. been too many blowouts in these playoffs now. So let's get some some closer games. Um, nice. We'll be back. Stay. We'll be back on Sunday. Uh, speak to you soon. Enjoy your week, Ben. And to you. Love to everybody out there. Let's go, Bobby.